episode of the Jack of All Trades will be featuring Dr. Lacey Carmen Johnson, who's the assistant director of football academics at Purdue University. Besides serving in this role, Lacey is actively involved in N4A and currently serves as the chair of the engagement subcommittee for the Student Athlete Development Committee. Some of the topics we, we discuss are her transition from coaching into academics, her unique role at Purdue, where she gets to work in academics and student athlete development with the football team, along with the other teams at Purdue, and lastly, Lacey's involvement within SAC by helping develop Boiler Breakdown, which focuses on social justice in regards to diversity and inclusion. Overall, Lacey is a true change agent within the industry, which can be seen by her personal philosophy on keeping the student in student athlete. Now tune in and welcome to the Jack of All Trades podcast. Episode 12 of the Jack of All Trades podcast. On today's show, I do speak with Lacey Carmen Johnson, who uh, likes to go by Coach Lacey. Um, who is the assistant director of football academics at Purdue University, among many other things. Um, so without further ado, let's welcome Lacey to the show. How's it going today, Lacey? Going well. Thank you for having me on the show today, Jack. Really appreciate that. Of course. It's my pleasure. Um, can you give a bit more of an introduction of what you do on a day-to-day basis? So my title is Assistant Director for Football Academics. So definitely it's a lot more than just uh, working as an academic advisor for football here at Purdue. Um, I also am heavily involved with the player development side, specifically for football, and then working with career and professional development for the entire student-athlete population. So I kind of get to dibble and dabble in a lot of different things. Um, but on a day-to-day basis, really, you know, managing the caseload for academics, running the ship for what we all looks like, and working with our um, mentors, our tutors, and just kind of getting everything coordinated here on that end. That is awesome, yeah. And I know um, a lot of us with the industry – even if we don't work with football directly, we know how much time takes up. So for you to be able to, you know, keep your hands busy in a lot of different areas is excellent. And the way you do it is very commendable. Um, but, you know, delving more back into uh, your own background before you got to the position that you are currently in, um, I noticed that you were a former student-athlete at Rice on the track and field team. Um, How do you believe that this experience at Rice has helped you in your career? I think um, just kind of being a student athlete in general teaches a variety of different soft skills that are intangible in the workplace. But for me specifically, it definitely taught me perseverance. So I was a walk-on and I ended up being the consistent scorer. Um, I was a team leader. My coach still goes around and he tells all his stories. It's kind of my heart of a champion. And I really believe that even if your talent is or was greater than mine, um, that you won't win out working. So at every stage in my life, I've really 
use my work ethic to speak for me before I even come into the room. And a lot of that was really developed as me being a student athlete. Awesome. And I know that you mentioned that you were a leader on, on the team, and it sounds like a true definition of what people think of when it comes to a student athlete um, being a former walk-on, earning a scholarship, um, having the coach there still talk about you and your own personal story as well, competing. Um, and to mention some other things, I mean, not only were a leader on the team, you were also a leader within the conference that you competed in in the Conference USA, and then also just nationally um, through winning awards such as being an author Ash Sports Scholar, for which is for those that don't know, is a award given to those that have excelled in the classroom and their respective sport, and also being a member of four conference championship teams during your time at Rice. How do you think winning these awards, as well as many others, contributed and contribute to how you engage with student-athletes today? I think I'm living proof that you can excel as both a student and an athlete. And I really, I really just pride myself on being relatable to the student-athletes. I want them to hang that I, I get where, they're, where they are, where they're trying to go. Um, I love to tell the story of when, when I was a student-athlete and just compare them to how the times have changed, um, as well as just being able to relate to them on their level. Always in my recruiting tips, you know, I give the, the background of I was a student, I have been a coach, I have been a professor, uh, working academics, I get the development. So I really kind of have the receipts for everything that they will, they will probably encounter throughout their course. I think that relatability factor plays a huge role into how successful you are today as well um, because people like to see others that are doing great things um, and people that they can relate to. So to have you there as a role model for the younger generations is definitely beneficial. Um, and, you know, a lot of people have different tracks into this industry that we love uh, but one of the things that I found really unique about yourself, and you mentioned it, is that you were a assistant coach for the sport of track and field at both Marshall and Stephen F. Austin. Why did you decide to transition out of coaching into academics? <laughs> well, true story, uh, I actually did it for the insurance, <laughs> so I'll give you a little background story in life for that. But I was... Uh, pregnant when uh, my family and I moved from uh, Marshall to Western Kentucky and Bowling Green. And we had just coached our first set of All-Americans at Marshall, and I really felt like I was pulling in a different direction, and it was okay for me to step away from coaching, and that was something I never thought that I would do when I first started. So once we took that leap of faith and we moved to Bowling Green, and there was only one coaching position for two coaches, and I was seven months pregnant, I saw that there was an academic coordinator position posted, and I thought, okay, well, I'll go ahead and apply for it because if both of us are employed at the university, then we can get free insurance. 
And at that point, I was only teaching part-time as an adjunct um, at WKU. So I ended up getting the academic coordinator position. And then within two weeks of me starting, literally, I just had my son, not two weeks before. Um, I knew exactly, uh, I, well, I knew I found exactly what I was supposed to be doing in life. So it's kind of funny how God works. And I have such a, you know, different path into the field than I think a lot of people traditionally do. I didn't start, you know, as a graduate assistant or as a young uh, professional. I had already been in college athletics for at least five years before I moved over into academics. And I just feel my, my path has made it, it, it's, again, it makes me relatable to the student athlete, but it, it's exactly how God intended for it to be. Yeah, and God works in ways that, you know, we might not have thought were possible or, you know, we, we were blind to. So for you to really delve into this industry and really find that you've been called to be in this is tremendous. Um, and also, I mean, some other topics that I want to discuss is just ed- education overall. Um, and you have multiple postgraduate degrees, um, including most recently obtaining your PhD from North Central University. Uh, why is education important to you as a person? And do you think others should obtain their PhD in order to progress within this field? I pride myself on being a lifelong learner, and I always joke that we, that I would try to find something to get another degree on, degree in. And it's been three years now, and I actually have been toying with the idea of trying to figure out some additional classes or something to take to get a different certificate. I just, I really, I love to learn. Um, I love to immerse myself in in the growing changes that all things education and specifically just in this field, how can I get better? But I don't necessarily think that a PhD is needed to progress in this field. It was just a personal for me that I wanted to make sure that I had the highest credentials that I could have. So whenever my name is called for that seat at the table, or like I sometimes say, if I have to build my own table, that I didn't want my education to be something that would be a downfall or a hindrance. So it's been well worth it for me professionally. Um, like I said, I was a former professor, so a full-time professor. So that is, it just, it, it provides me the opportunity to really kind of navigate my own path and move in the space that I want to do. But if you want to do a PhD, it's not for the faint of heart. So you better really be able to take constructive feedback and sometimes not so constructive feedback. Uh, but it, 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 it's been a it's been a, a good thing and it really tested who I was as a person. I'm glad that I was able to pursue it. Yeah, and it it is you know something that also includes a lot of time um, because, you know, most people, once they get their PhD or when they're working on their PhD, they have to work on several publications. And uh, you've worked on multiple, but one of the ones that I found was most interesting um, was your one of your latest, which is titled The New Academic Distribution Unit, Incentivizing Academic Success or playing for grades. What is this research publication about and what made you want to write a topic? Well, it's about the 
the academic distribution um, units that basically started the 2019-2020 year, and I, I, I really, as soon as I heard about it, I, I really had some, you know, pretty strong thoughts on it, and I tried to write it from a pretty objective standpoint, so that's why it's, you know, titled Incentivizing Academic Success or Playing for Grades, so not trying to sway the reader that it's one way or the other, just more so trying to put the facts out there. This is what it is. Yes, you know, it is a good idea. I think it's a great idea that the NCAA is, you know, supporting academic success and providing institutions with money because of their academic success. However, we all know that sometimes this can effectively you know, come to us and ask for help or uh, we don't want it to be claimed for grades or just trying to get an additional bond. And then the other kind of a uh, thought that I have on the money coming in is that it's not necessarily, it doesn't have to necessarily be designated towards back towards academics. It has to be for student well-being, which is, which is great, but if the money is going to come from an academic standard or academic metric, then I feel as though some money should be specifically designated either like to the academic department to help in some way. So that's my two cents in the budget right there. But the way that it came about was one of my graduate assistants at the time was uh, had an assignment and we had been talking about it. So she, you know, wrote a little bit about the information, but we basically put our heads together to polish up some of the work that she had already done for the class. And we were able to not only get it uh, published, but also presented at the College Sport Research Institute, CSII. And um, I'm not necessarily somebody who's adamant about putting out a published article just because I have a PhD, but I do feel that it's important for me to stay relevant um, so that my option can not only be the scholar practitioner, but also as a researcher as I progress in my career. Yeah, and we both share that same sentiment that, you know, if the university itself is getting paid for the academic success of the student athletes, um, why not put it towards improving the academic success even more um, instead of, you know, inflating the coaches' contracts even more when they paid multi-million dollar salaries anyways. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, before you got to Purdue, I mean, a lot of people have had to work at mid-major programs before they get to be in the position that you are in at a Power 5 institution, um, and you did that as well. Uh, while working at Western Kentucky University. Now, during this time at Western Kentucky, you were a instructor, which you have mentioned, and you were also an assistant director in academics, managing a caseload of a bunch of different sports, and uh, as well as other initiatives that I found to be really intriguing. So one of these initiatives was developing a life skills program for not only the student athletes, but the regular student body as well. Why did you do this? And uh, what are some tips that you can share with others on how to bridge the life skills gap between athletics and the campus as a whole? So I was really fortunate to work in two departments, both athletics and then also the kinesiology, sport and recreation department. And they really value the collaboration between the two. 
So a lot of students who were in our undergraduate sport management program as well as our graduate recreation sport administration program, they worked in the athletic department in various capacities. And just the resources that I was able to use for the student athletes because clearly the WKU is a small school and we had online no budget. Um, we were able to, for well, these, the resources that I was able to put into student athletes, I, I thought that our regular student body population would benefit as well. So I was an advisor for our sport management club and some of the same things that I was able to do with athletes, I could do with them. And the biggest tip that I could you know, kind of put forward is that just to use your campus resources first and foremost. I mean, everybody on campus is here to help the students, regardless if they're athletes or not. So uh, that is, it just made sense. And uh, on WKU's campus, everyone was just open and, open and willing to help and come speak to various groups, um, do different initiatives. And it was cool for me to kind of step outside of the athletic realm and move to an academic component to, to be able to help develop students, not just student athletes, but students as a whole. And if you are going to pay for somebody to come on campus, you might as well try to get more bang for your buck and have, you know, to buy their services and have them come to multiple sessions. Um, another thing that I did get to do there was to help create a partnership with an alternative high school. So we used some of our student athletes and some of our students who were in the graduate program, and they helped to serve as mentors to uh, the alternative um, kids or the alternative high school kids. And these are just kids who, they're not in a traditional school because of some behavioral issues or um, out-of-the-classroom uh, problems to, their, to find another or an alternative way to graduate. So it was almost like a dual mentoring framework for our program. Like I helped them mentor our students, our students helped them mentor them. And once I left, Western Kentucky program is actually still going on, and I'm able to see a lot of the kids who are graduating. And that's super fulfilling to me to be able to watch something that I put a lot of effort into um, to still be sustained. That's tremendous. I know that. Student athletes get a lot of shine on the capacity to serve as role models, but regular students can as well. And for you to really build that program to help that respective school and see them graduate and reach new heights is a true testament to who you are as an individual. Um, and you know, you you work with a caseload of the football players at Purdue. Um, and you also work on player development for both the football team and then just the regular student-athlete body there. Um, and, you know, besides this, you have been very supportive of N4A and have been in a leadership role there this past year and hopefully moving forward with how the strategic plan is rolling out as the chair of the engagement subcommittee for the student athlete development committee of N4A. Uh, how has this experience been and uh, what have you learned during this time period? Well, I always go to say that I got tricked into chairing this subcommittee. 
<laughs> because I was a part of it a year before, and uh, Marcio Whitehurst was the chair at that point. So he uh, has since gotten you know out of the industry of being recommended that I do, and I'm sorry, it can't be that bad. Yeah, it was definitely a lot more <laughs> work than I thought it would be. But overall, it was a it was a it was a good learning experience for me. I'm used to leading student athletes and really kind of delving into that area. But this this never really just helped me to step out of my comfort zone and um, be able to connect with my peers and find out what other folks are doing at other universities. It really helped me to extend my network. And I think both my team and Lamar Pinder, who's going to be the chair for um, the Financial Development Committee this coming year, they were just great resources for me to run my thoughts by, um, as well as any kind of guidance that, that I needed that they were there for. So one of the just the biggest things that I learned was just to kind of trust myself. You know, I have a lot of skills, but I just had not really been challenged to um of them before. And our small group was super awesome uh, and engaging in dialogue, that's, you know, pun intended. Uh, but you guys were super helpful in delivering the messages we were trying to convey, and I'm looking forward to what this next few years wants to hold and how we can continue to grow our community and continue to uh, just keep the dialogue and the conversation going. I'm looking forward to it as well. I know that your leadership of the subcommittee has been phenomenal, and it really is amazing to see you be able to manage that so effectively as well as co-managing the academic caseload of football student-athletes and working in the realm of student-athlete development. Um, you do all You do all of these things well. Uh, the academic success of the football team, I've noticed, has improved from semester to semester since you have started to guide those that you work with in a greater capacity, and it's really just awesome to see you be able to do that. But, you know, you, you work a lot. Um, you do a lot of different things. And uh, how have you been able to manage um, all of these roles so well? I have a very, very detailed schedule. <laughs> I keep a calendar on my desk. I have my calendar, you know, an outlook that's connected to every piece of equipment that I own. And I have alerts and alerts and alerts all day long. All day long. But it, it just, that helps to just kind of keep me organized. And I've, I've chosen to be more involved with development here than necessarily require for my job description, but I did that because I saw a need and that's kind of how I operate when I see a hole. I can't help but try to figure out a way to fill the hole. And academically, we just we have a, we have a really solid system here. My director has been here for a while and, you know, he really um, petitioned to get some additional uh, pieces for our team here and additional learning specialists and we have two learning specialists and two full-time advisors that work with us as well as a, a host of academic mentors and you know our computers that come with it as well. Uh, we, just, we just have a really well oiled machine and this last year has been absolutely phenomenal. The first two semesters with you know we being here and not saying that I'm the reason for it by any means 
but uh, we set program high both semester and senior with a GPA. Not, that's not our target focus around here, but it is you know nice to see the fruits of our lower interchangeable. And you, you know, stepping up when needed is pretty much to then it seemed like your entire career, and that's what's put you in the position you're in and what's going to put you in the positions that you're destined to be in down the road. Um, and, you know, working on the student-athlete development program um, there is awesome to see. And uh, the main one, which is called Boiler Swag, is a program just for the football players at Purdue that gives them a game plan for life, per se. Uh, can you please describe this program in more detail, including the acronym SWAG, and why is it so important to you? Yeah, so SWAG stands for Student Athletes for the Game Plan. I wanted to do something that we could kind of brand as our own, and it would be the team cool and that title that we came up with, and we, we focus on celebrate. Um, aspects. So we have our transition, um, our career professional development, our financial literacy area, and then leadership. And um, so I just, it's, it's, it's been very cool to, you know, watch it from the beginning. And that's one of the reasons why it's super important for me because it is kind of my idea and I really did help to build it from the conception stage. So I was able to meet with the director of player development early on once I got here, and the great thing about the connection that I have with the football staff is we all work together at WKU. So I've literally known these people for the last time. They know what I'm capable of. I know what they, their expectations are. And we were able to talk about the different ideas that I had, how I envisioned it going, and everybody was in one with those changes. And it's been very well received by the players, the staff. I think it's been good from a recruiting standpoint to be able to put some things out, um, like our little videos uh, of the different sessions that we do. And I'm able to talk about those with recruits and the families and really have a change of uh, show as well. Uh, another reason that I think it's like, super important is just because sometimes football gets a bad rap for not participating in different events, especially development events. Like they're here to do football and hopefully degree. So I like to focus on holistic development. So we decided that we would just going to meet them where they were. We schedule our events earlier in the evening. We don't necessarily have seven or eight o'clock events where they have to go to dinner, come go home, and then try to come back. We do everything. We're, we're here on campus. We split up our sessions, our upper and lower classes, because we're not having all 117 guys in a room at the same time. We're only 10 of our campus teachers. And we focus on topics that are specific to what they need or what they want to hear. I have a lot of conversations in my office every day. And when I start having some of the same conversations over and over again, that triggers, you know, something for me that I know that we need to reach out to find someone who can come in there and educate our guys on these particular topics. So it's cool that we have a lot of, we have the buy-in from the coaches, we have the buy-in from our development staff, we have the buy-in from the players, and I'm looking forward to it growing in the, the next, or the coming, coming years, I should say. That's awesome. So you have these conversations and with the football players themselves 
and they kind of guide you guys into the um, direction where the program is going to be heading in the future. Is that correct? Yes. We have a, a blueprint for what we, what we initially think we should be doing, but we have no problem uh, diverting from that and picking up some additional speakers or doing some things on campus just to really, as I said, meet them where they are. Because the more interested and engaged they are in, in the topics, then the more they're going to participate in the event. Couldn't agree with that more. The voice of the student athlete themselves is, you know, how we continue to build things to make it a success because if they feel like their voice isn't heard, in my opinion, then they're not going to want to show up. But uh, you, how else do you guys evaluate the Boiler Swag program? So we haven't really had a, an official evaluation yet because we have not completed our first um, full program year. We just started it this spring, and we'll go through the summer. The summer we're doing a freshman, uh, well, I should say a newcomer um, success workshop that will be part of Slack for the younger group, and then the older group will have several events, and the speakers will come in the summer as well. So we don't have a or I should say measures that are already documented, but the metrics that we plan to use is just looking at GPA improvement, um, you know, seeing our graduation rate, especially as we focus on the career and professional development and the transition out of college. We spend a lot of time focusing on transition into college, I think at all levels, but not everyone always focuses on uh, making sure they're prepared for not only their degree, but also having the opportunity in hand when they uh, leave college. Um, looking at you know, community service hours, um, and then also just knowledge and use of health, health enhancing behaviors. So yes, we did have some executive increases in GPA, and that's not saying that this indicative the program success, but I do think it's important and it speaks to the efforts that our guys um, and our staff have been trying to move the needle here. And um, our leadership group falls under the flag umbrella, and they've really taken more initiative in making sure we have a president and community service event. Um, and again, like I said, just the conversations that I have, they really dictate some of the topics that we hit on. And I had guys that come and say, well, I think, you know, I really like this section. We go a little bit more in depth on this. Absolutely, we sure can do this, and we'll make that happen for you. And their buy-in has been huge. Yeah, I think, you know, anytime you can get those metrics themselves, is you know, it increases that buy-in because it attaches numbers to it instead of just have qualitative data. Um, it's quantitative, and I can't wait to see where this SWAG program continues to go. Um, and, you know, another program that's under this boiler SWAG is the football mentor program that uh, pairs current football players with alumni of Purdue, which I think is key because, like I said earlier, it it helps knowing that people that, you know, came from your situations have 
been able to write their own success story in life. So this book mentor program, uh, what made you guys want to develop it? Oh, well, it hasn't started yet. We're set for the summer. We still have a couple additional pieces with some compliance education to um, go through with our potential mentors. And we've had quite a few already that have signed up. And uh, we really just we want to provide an avenue for the guys to network and build relationships with people who really understand what they're going through. And there was no better way to do it than connecting them with former Purdue football alums. And our alum are absolutely awesome. We have business owners, we have pilots and um, engineers and just all kinds of different people who provide different perspectives that the guys can resonate with. And it just gives them an opportunity. It gives the alumni an opportunity to pay it forward, but it also gives our guys a chance to get a glimpse of what they can look like in the future. So for everybody, it's, you know, it's a win-win and for the book, um, you know, we have Never, we have therapy where they will connect multiple times throughout the month and then hopefully do, you know, face-to-face visits when we have our alumni spring uh, barbecue during spring game and just wanting to make sure, again, we have measurable outcomes, which I didn't, uh, you know, you know, I think that's part of my, my research background is you have to have that data like you did, not just the qualitative but the quantitative data because the person who controls the data controls the decisions and if we want to continue to put money into these efforts, we definitely um, need to have some tangible outcomes that come Most definitely. And it is great because Purdue University is a source of greatness in the realms of a lot of different uh, career fields. So it's really awesome to be able to utilize that resource that's Purdue University and pair that with the guys on the team. Um, and, you know, an, another program that you work on, which as being a follower of Christ, I find to be extremely important in Bible for the football team. Uh, how has this experience been and what have you learned from God during this time? Well, Bible study is definitely one of my favorite parts of the week, and it's led by our director of player development, uh, Coach Sean T. So I don't, you know, I'm not necessarily putting on the program, but I'm definitely an, a very active part of it. And I just get to interact with the guys that aren't always in my office, not my typical friend hug guys, and I've been able to really build different relationships. And I, I think one of the biggest things that <laughs> But it's shown me is that I'm right where I'm supposed to be, and I can tangibly see that every single day. Um, I have a, a, a pretty unique story, and, I'm, and just the purpose of me being here, I never would have thought that the background of where I come from and just personal battles with mental health and being a young widow and experiencing a huge amount of death and tragedy in a short amount of time really would just be so relevant to them and specifically with the thing I think that I work with every day, just being able to have those those open and very transparent conversation with them that I get it. I understand, you know, the not so great things but but I've made it this far and so I know that, you know, sometimes I have a question like, is this really was I was I really supposed to make that mom Western Kentucky to Purdue and Every day, God shows me that this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. And knowing that definitely 
provides comfort, I would I, I, I would imagine, as it does for me where I'm currently at. Um, <clears throat> and it seems like you work on a lot of different programs, so for you to say that you kind of dabble in it is uh, is uh, funny, in my opinion, um, because <laughs> another program that you work very closely with is the Social Justice Group, which is a part of SAC at Purdue. Uh, what made SAC want to create this group? It's a, it's a subcommittee of SAC. Um, it was just, I think it was something that the athletic director wanted. It came into existence before I got here, but I don't think a whole lot was really done with it. So this semester, some of the kids got together and they really wanted to do something for Black History Month, and I decided, oh, well, I'll just show up at the meeting and see what they're talking about. So I just jumped in to assist wherever um, that was really needed, and it's, just, it's been a lot of fun working with the group been a huge highlight to my semester. I think it's kind of in that, that rainbow amidst the you know, organized chaos that is football every day uh, because a lot of the kids are from sports outside of um, football. And part of working with that group, you were able to help develop a series called Boiler Breakdown, which from our engagement subcommittee calls seems to have been a tremendous success and a source of influence. Uh, this boiler breakdown is, you know, it gives the athletes there the opportunity to address various topics in an open forum type setting. Uh, what has been the impact of this uh, initiative so far? Boiler breakdown is pretty long. It's really cool to watch the student athletes personally grow and develop planning, and even evaluating the event. Uh, we've been able to get campus involved um, along with student athletes, staff, and the regular student body. And it just sponsors a cool collaboration for our event. And it brings awareness for student athletes on campus, um, or it brings awareness for student athletes to also see what's going on on campus and then getting involved in additional community events. So it, 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 the impact has you know been great because it, it provides the the open forum for the hot topic item, but it also you know shows our student athletes things outside the confines of athletics. And uh, you know this semester there's been lots of things in the news, and we spend a lot of time talking about that in our small group meetings, but then also in our boiler breakdown sessions as well. And they've been super open to learning and growing individually. I think that that's so key because you need to have, you know, those types of you know, discussions in order to move forward as a society. So for you guys to be doing that, doing that at Purdue is, you know, terrific. Uh, now this part, you know, just more into uh, you as a person, not more so of what you do as a job, but in the other realms of your life. Um, so anybody that, you know, knows you or follows you on Twitter, um, definitely know that one of the personal philosophies that you hold true to is helping keep the student in student-athlete. Can you please describe the importance of this to you as 
we go further into a college sports generation that's focusing in on topics such as pay for play and, you know, other areas where it's trying to keep the athlete centered. Well, my favorite hashtag is student little athlete <laughs> because I, I believe in the integrity of education. I always think there's a common misconception that sometimes we serve athletes and not just athletes. One of the reasons that I really love to work in academic development because I think we can continue to push the envelope that you can develop students holistically and nobody can ever take their education So just continue to, you know, push that you are a student athlete. You know, NCAA tells us all the time. How many people go pro in something other than sports? Might as well use the the free degree that they're going to get. Exactly. Yeah, I mean it's only one one percent that really makes it. So, um, and then kind of looking back on when you were in college. Uh, what advice would you give yourself during that time? Ooh, well, college day was a little firecracker. <laughs> but uh, I, not to say that I'm not now, but I, I think I just, I always thought that I had this plan for the future and you could, I, I, nobody could get in the way or nobody could stop me. But I think my life looks quite a bit different than I thought it would look. And not in a bad way. I'm very happy with where I am and how I've progressed in my career. But I know, I think just one of the things I would tell my younger self is to really be present in the moment. Like, it, it just, it goes by fast. Um, when you're always trying to plan for what's next. So really just enjoy the moment and take advantage of all the things that are right there for you. Yeah, and people sometimes so get caught up in not being present, especially with social media nowadays that, you know, being present and being planted where you're at and watching yourself grow is, you know, awesome. And it's something that if you just look at your own career trajectory, something that you've definitely done. So I think a lot of young people need to know that. Um, And, you know, another side of you is uh, the fact that uh, you are a proud mom um, enjoying any sex that man with your son. Uh, what is one message that you would give your son to remember for life? If you could only have one message, what would it be and why? Well, I'm a very, very proud mama. I have the coolest five-year-old college student is what I call him because he's been on college campus since the day he was born. Uh, but I, I I believe in, I just believe in being impactful and intentional, and I get to show him that every single day. He's actually um, up here on campus this day, um, hanging out with one of the other advisors right now. But he, one of those his teacher commented on him at school recently was just his leadership and how his friends look up to him and encourage him to do the right, the right thing. So just see all the water works right there, just being a, such a proud parent. But I feel like I just, I want him to to always remember just be kind and to be just be the example. You would be the example that you want to see. And even at five years old, the teacher told me that it shows me that you know I'm doing if I'm not doing everything right, I'm at least doing that right. Most definitely. And uh anybody that knows you knows 
the positive energy and vibrancy that you bring to conversations and that's great that you want to have your son have that same passion for life um and uh if if you could manifest anything in in your career would it be and why uh can i to win the lotto for 2000 no. Um, I would win the lotto, but I would, but I would still go to work during the week. I would just have a private jet and go bore bore on the weekend. Um, no, I think if I can manifest anything, I just really, I, you know, I want to continue to grow, and I want to have a seat at the table and be the senior leadership team. But I also want to continue to teach budding professionals in the field. So whether that's you know in the classroom as a professor or developing a, a series with young professionals who are in the department that I'm in. And I, I just feel like, you know, so many people have tried to tell me that I had to choose between athletics or being a professor, you know, I had to one or the other. And I, I believe that I can be great in both. I think I've proved that I can be great in both, and it really satisfies my life goal. And I just want to continue to be a change agent with whomever I come in contact with. That's so good. And uh, before I ask the final question, um, where can people connect with you more? Um, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, my handle is Mrs. Coach Lacey, M-I-S Coach Lacey, O-A-T-E-E. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at the handle Laceykins, L-A-C-E-E-K-N-S-1-5. Or maybe just like you can, I'm not really sure. You'll figure it out. Um, and, but my Instagram is really more of a show. It's not, it's not the, the Lacey show. Um, but Twitter is somewhere that, you know, I, I like to be in conversation and, you know, I, I want to be the ultimate hype man, the hype woman on Twitter and shout out people that I know and just show, you know, the student athletes that I've worked with and they've moved on to bigger and better things. I think that's just a cool place platform to be able to do that. That's so great. And, you know, you are the ultimate hype person. Um, and that's one of the things that I commend you for. Uh, I also commend you for being a lifelong learner, which has resulted into you being a tremendous leader and utilizing your energy in your various roles in life to uh, generate momentum for others to reach their higher levels of success on their pathway to greatness. I think that something that can be lost in this industry is something that you provide, and that's that, you know, you have to be focused, you have to be present, and you have to have and the vibrancy and the positivity that you bring on a day-to-day basis is definitely something that I commend you for, and I know a lot of people that are connected with you commend you for as well. Um, So... That being said, um, the final question of the podcast is the question that I ask at the end of every single podcast, since this is a podcast on how to live a life with virtue, and virtue is values that inspire the readiness to transform one's own understanding of excellence. So what is your own definition of virtue, and how do you live it daily? Oh, uh, yeah, 
that's a lot. Uh, I think when I hear the word virtue, the first thing I think about is the virtuous woman, like probably 31 woman, something I grew up hearing, and that she's kind of being that 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 ideal um, woman. And I guess with that thought in mind, kind of my idea of what virtue means is you're kind of living to a standard of greatness and upholding integrity and doing things the right way in your most authentic self. So really trying to find your own authentic way to be great and do it the right way. And I, I think I, I try to live that out every day. I'm very transparent, try to be extremely humble, um, but I continue to push the envelope of what my level of excellence looks like every single day. That is so great. Well, once again, thank you, Lacey, for uh, being on the show. And um, I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Thank you so much for having me. Truly hope you got some nuggets of information from this podcast that you can use to create programming to better develop the football players along with the other student-athletes at your institution in terms of summer programming and other topics as well. Be sure to learn more about Lacey's work through her social media channels, which she's most actively involved on Twitter, and we would love to have you join the engagement subcommittee, which you can do by emailing her or George Midget from North Carolina Central University. Lastly, be sure to check out upcoming episodes featuring Dr. Kaylee McCullough from Lewis and Clark College, as well as J.P. Abercrombie from Rice University. Till next time, continue to live a life with virtue. Thank you.